How we doing? Welcome back to the recap. We got the Stanley Cup champion edition. And I'm back here again with Keels. Keels, how you feeling today? Good, man. It, uh, this, this, this episode's a long time coming. We've been talking about it for uh, weeks now. I'm glad we finally found a time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Things got a little, little crazy in the work schedule. Tried to make it so that Bryce could finally be on it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, but we had to do it. You know, we had to get on it. I, I you know, we were supposed to record last night. I, I ran a little late on work. And I'm actually glad we didn't because we got a couple extra stories that we would have missed if we recorded yesterday. So why don't we just start there and then we'll uh, finish it up with the Stanley Cup after these uh, first two or first few stories from around the league. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you start it off with your uh, boy, the Zamboni driver gets the full-time gig in, in Buffalo. Uh, well, you know Granada. what I also want to mention though, before that, how about the, uh, the new Maine Mariners affiliation? <laughs> oh, yes, true. I forgot. Okay, yes. I was going to bring that up. So, Maine Mariners now affiliated with the Boston Bruins. Um, I'm sure all of their, the Bruins ECHL players are very excited. They don't have to fly from Atlanta to Providence all the time. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, we announced it on the 30th of June, which was only about two weeks ago, but it feels like a lot of time has gone by since then. And, um, you know, we we were keeping it under wraps, but it wasn't a very well-kept secret at least a few times. And um, so we were just happy to finally put it out there officially. And we knew our fans, it's what our fans wanted and probably had wanted since the beginning. So to give them the chance to finally be able to cheer for the Bruins of the future, have the, the full trifecta of minor league sports between Portland and Boston and just feel a little bit more connection with the team maybe than they did when we were Rangers affiliates. So um, very exciting for everybody. And yeah, I think you're right. I think with the, the shorter proximity now between Portland and Providence and, and even Boston, all three cities will hopefully get some more prospects here than maybe Atlanta had in the past. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's been something that was talked about right off the right off the bat. But, you know, Bruins is in their other affiliation. And yeah, it'll definitely be good for the team. It'll be cool. Um, just don't change your name to the main Bruins, please. That was a very uh, <laughs> odd rebrand that happened in another part of town. But anyways, <laughs> we don't get to get well, you know that. what? Like we've had we've had we've had like an internal battle going on in our fan base between those that want us to change our colors mm. to the Bruins, you know, the black and gold, whether it's go back to the ship wheel throwback logo permanently. And then those that, you know, are in love with, you know, our, the flag behind me here. I know this is an audio podcast, but the, the green and blue um, and the Emmy and the Trident, because that's extremely popular as well. So we don't have plans on, on making a permanent change, but I think there's ways to, um, honor both obviously we've, we've been doing throwback nights already as you know full well Ryer um, and there's still a way to you know, we've, we've been selling the throwback shirts with the black and gold um, so there's still a way to pay homage to the old Mariner Bruins um, history from 87 to 92 and and still have that connection with our affiliate now but have our own identity because I agree with you I think having an identity as a minor league team is, is very important. Yeah, I think so as well. I think uh, that used to be a big um, thing back in the day where it was kind of like any, you know, even the Pirates did it a little bit, not a ton. They didn't really ever change their their logo based on the team they were with, but they would change the style of their jerseys, which is, you know, could be a kind of a cool look. I, I like the colors the way they are. I don't think it should change for anyone else because, I mean, these things are, you know, Ideally, you want it to go on forever because it's a good partnership. These things are, though, like contract uh, contractually only a few years at a time. So you never know what's going to happen. And I think it's great. And I think, honestly, a, a new style Bruins specialty jersey. Um, just have Adam bill me for that one. I'll, I'll draw it up for him. So I'll just send him the invoice and I'll collect that paycheck. But um, anyways... <laughs> Um, all right, getting into some <laughs> NHL hockey, even though that is exciting talk there. Um, looking forward, just signed their first player, Bryson Martin. Shout out. Uh, great guy. Probably a guy I would love to have on this podcast, so maybe I'll shoot him a little DM. 
Yeah, um, I'm sure he would love to come on. Yeah, great guy. Uh, and yeah, he is a very entertaining player. He does highlight plays. He does great sellies. He will fight someone if he has to. He's a, he's quite the entertainer. So, uh, but anyways, all right, back to where we're going to start. Uh, the Zamboni driver that is uh, now the permanent full-time head coach for the Buffalo Sabres for probably about the next 18 months until he gets fired. Oh. No respect for Don Granado and all the things <laughs> he did for USA Hockey. No, um, here's, here's, here's my take on this. If you were going to sell off your veterans, it would have been very difficult to recruit a big-name head coach. And there were plenty on the market, as we've talked about on previous podcasts. But if you're going to John Tortorella or Bruce Boudreaux or, I mean, Gerard Gallant is now obviously off the market, but any of those guys – and try to sell them on being the next head coach of the Buffalo Sabres, you cannot do that by also saying, oh, but we're going to trade Jack Eichel, we're going to trade Sam Reinhart, and we're going to trade Rasmus or Stalina all in the next four months. Now, we don't know for sure that that's going to happen, but it certainly seems more likely than not. So if you're going that direction, and as much as it's a hard pill to swallow for Sabres fans to go through another rebuild, Granado is the right guy for that. And he proved it in the month and a half that he was the interim head coach by showing that he could improve the young players. Rasmus Dahlin was night and day after Granado came in. Casey Middlestat was night and day. Tage Thompson showed huge strides. Dylan Cousins was pretty good all season long, but I think there was a good group of young players that made noticeable improvements under Granado that if you're going to go with another youth movement, like it seems they are, he did show you that he was the right guy. Um, also as a Sabres fan, I really like the way he carries himself with the media, the way he talks, Ralph Kruger, like had a great vocab vocabulary and made it seem like he knew what he was talking about, but you also got that impression that it was kind of, um, for show and almost like a used car, car salesman, uh, to use that analogy. Uh, he seemed like an awesome guy. It seemed like the players really liked him, but obviously he wasn't getting the results. Granado comes off with more of this um, genuine. Um, you just you just believe that he he is 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 honest and and genuine about what he's saying. It's it's hard to describe unless you actually have spent a lot of time listening to him. So, um, you know, I I really wanted to see the Sabers go out and get a big name and even get a guy. Maybe like a Tortorella that could fire thing, you know, throw a chair around sometimes or or show some emotion because they've lacked that really since Lindy Ruff left. Uh, but if you're looking, if you're being realistic and looking at the way this this franchise seems to be headed with the roster, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I think it's honestly, you know, all jokes aside, I think it's a it's a good move. Just we've seen it kind of happen elsewhere where it's like, what is really the purpose in going out and getting a you know paying one of those guys whatever four or five million to be your head coach if you don't even really know what your next steps kind of are um you've seen it in chicago where they had a younger unknown guy montreal dan ducharme um promoted from within so i think you've seen it john cooper promoted from within so i think um you've seen it kind of work out before uh especially in Elden situations Keith. yeah uh, especially in situations like this where it's like you don't necessarily like you said it's going to be a tough sell to any veteran coach because if you're a veteran coach you've been fired at least once possibly twice and you really don't get that many chances as a head coach in the league so you're not really going to want this job and then two, it's kind of just like throw them in there, see what happens. Worst case scenario, once you build your roster up to a certain point within the next few years, you find someone new. It's not like it really, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting to compete for the Stanley Cup next year in Buffalo. So I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, and, and to your point earlier, and, and you made it in jest, but it is true. The Sabres have been cycling through coaches pretty quickly. So if you have been fired a couple of times, are you going to go to a place where they're firing their coach every couple of years? So it is a tough sell. I, I know, I believe it was reported that they had interviewed Rick Tockett. Um, and I think Boudreaux as well, I believe. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, again, 
it, it, it shows you the direction they're headed. And now the next shoe to drop is going to be this Eichel trade, um, supposedly. So we will see uh, if and how long that takes to happen. Yeah, and that's what I mean, too. You mentioned Brudro and Rick Tockett. Those guys don't move the needle for me. So it's like, what's the purpose in throwing a bag at them when, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, they've proven to not, they're not bad. They're not really good. They've never really done much. Bruce Brudro's best years were losing in the second round to the Capitals, or to the Penguins, sorry, for the Capitals. And then, I mean, Rick Tockett's really you know, he's fine. He, he could still come into his own. He's, he's kind of a newer coach. So I don't know. I, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have, I'd rather give it some guy who, like you said, look to be making some improvements, um, a shot to kind of see how it goes. So, but anyways, the other story, uh, I wanted to mention before we get into the Stanley cup talk is Duncan Keith getting traded last night. Um, so it was pretty heavily rumored for a couple days. Um, and the Oilers end up getting him for uh, Caleb Jones and a conditional pick. And I think one other guy, so- Soderlund or something along those lines. Or is that who was coming back? I can't remember. But anyways, the main piece is being Duncan Keith, Caleb Jones, and then the draft pick, which is a third rounder that turns into a second rounder if the Oilers make the Stanley Cup final. And if Duncan Keith plays like every single game. So uh, it's you know, probably going to end up being a third round pick, but uh, I have a couple different thoughts on this. So I think it's a good move for Edmonton because I think Duncan Keith gives you the experience that you clearly need. Uh, they don't really have many veterans, strong veterans in that locker room. Um, Duncan Keith had a, a, a down year or two, but he started to come back into his own. He's definitely still a solid. Well, as, as long as all things remain the same, he's still a top four option which they desperately need. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast that they need defense more than anything else. Um, you know, I don't think they gave up a ton. I would have liked to see maybe just do it as a second round pick and have Chicago eat a little bit of that salary. Um, because I think that's the biggest issue is he's making almost $6 million. And like we've, again, like we've said before about the Oilers, there's still a lot more that needs to be done to that roster. So now you're on the hook for, I think it's 5.75 for the next two years. And that's really the only part I don't like. I like them having Duncan Keith. I think it makes them better right now, but does it prevent them from making another move um, that could have, you know, helped them a little bit more. But then from Chicago standpoint, I think they made out perfectly fine. They dumped that salary. They get Caleb Jones, which, He's decent enough hockey player. He'll probably make the team. If he doesn't, I don't think it's really a super big thing. I heard that they're trying to get Seth Jones. So if you're trying to get Seth Jones, getting his relative on your team is probably not a bad idea. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts on the trade. I'll let you take over from there, Kiels. I think that's a pretty good analysis. I mean, the, the problem with Edmonton, they better win in the next couple of years because he's 37. I mean, he's, you know, he's still been pretty productive and it's so hard to look at a guy's numbers and, and um, determine whether if he's in a decline because the last two seasons have been shortened seasons. As I was looking at this before I went on, I was like, oh, look, his numbers, his numbers have been pretty good. And then they drop. But do they actually drop if you if you translate it to an 82 game season? So, I mean, he's been durable, obviously. And um, the plus minus was ugly this past year, but Chicago just had a bad year. Um, so it's not necessarily a sign of him. Um, but you know, I mean, he is, he's not going to be able to play that, that many more years. So now obviously Edmonton had a good year, made the playoffs, um, and just had a, a, you know, a poor performance in the playoffs. So they shouldn't have to wait long. I mean, they should another piece or two, and they should be a, um, certainly a, a contender to win the division, if not the Stanley cup, um, so it's a short-term move, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, we because we talked before that it's um, Edmonton's weaknesses were obvious and defense being one of them um, and you know, depth being the other, I guess. So, I, I, you know, it's 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 a good move, to, but the question is how much hockey he has left. Um, they gave up. I think the, the, the Blackhawks maximized the return they were going to get for him at this stage of his career uh, with how much money he's being paid. And um, 
we see now, this is what we're seeing with the Blackhawks. It, it's been a slow breakup of their, you know, their Stanley Cup core, but it's what we're probably going to see from the Bruins in a few years when they have to start making decisions on, you know, their their core players that's been together for so long. So um, just tying the Bruins in there. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out and how productive he can be at age 37. And um, I'm sure, you know, based on his last couple of years, he still has some hockey left in. Yeah, I'm looking at this roster right now, man. It stinks. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, Which roster? Edmonton's is tough. And they only have 11 yeah. mil in cap space, and they need to re-sign Adam Larson or do something there. And, yeah, Duncan Keith is now their third or fourth highest paid player. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, it's not great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a lot of money to be tied up in a 37 year old defenseman. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. Um, all right. So the last story we saw last night develop, um, and we can kind of get into, uh, it is, um, our buddy Phil Pritchard, uh, probably had a minor heart attack last night, <laughs> uh, because I don't know if you guys have seen this, but, uh, within their Stanley cup parade boat parade i i don't know if this is like i mean it looks pretty like it doesn't look photoshopped or anything to me the stanley cup is the physical cup is dented almost in half all the way flat and i don't know how that happened uh i'm glad they didn't drop it off the boat instead of just into the boat or on the street or whatever they did um so yeah, and it was just a crazy photo to see. And obviously, you get all the people on Twitter and social media and everybody freaking out, being like, oh, you disrespected the cup and everything like that. And I get that. I mean, I don't appreciate seeing the Stanley Cup banged up, but also it's like you just gave like 30 drunk dudes this cup that, you know, they're partying with all day in the heat of the moment. There's people crowding around them all the time. And you know, things like that have happened before and are probably going to happen again. And it's not a huge deal. They'll probably just buff it out. It's not like it can't be fixed. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's not like the, the Gronkowski uh, Super Bowl. Uh, so, you know, it's not the biggest deal. They're going to fix it. I just it's always funny to read the comments and just see everybody just losing yeah. their mind about it. Well, and there are there are multiple cups, right? So do we really yeah. know which that one is um i mean it's fun i mean you you know maybe you're a little just desensitized to it uh Ryer, because the capitals had a pretty well documented uh what should we call it adventure with the yeah. <laughs> with the stanley cup three years ago but um no i mean i i you know again like you said guys are gonna have a good time and they're you know drinking a lot and all that um i I'd, I'd like to see a little more respect for the cup just because the guys <laughs> They show, you know, it is the number one thing everybody plays for. Like, think about the respect mm -hmm. you have for it when you're going through the grind. And yes, obviously, after you win it, you should let loose and all that. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to be a party pooper there. But, um, you know, I, I do think there should be some level of, okay, like, you know, we, we all understand as, as, or I'm talking from their perspective, because mm -hmm. I didn't play hockey, but growing up as hockey players, your ultimate goal is to hoist the Stanley Cup and you you hold it in such a high regard, mm -hmm. you know, your whole life. So then when you actually get it in your hands, it's treated with a little bit more respect. I think it's fair to, to hold that standard somewhat. Um, but I mean, I, it's like you said, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And remember how many Stanley cups won before there was social media or the internet. I can't imagine the things that happened to it, you know, back in pre 2000. Um, so it's, it is a little bit overblown. <laughs> Yeah, I think definitely people have been saying like, oh, it seems like the Stanley Cup, uh, not parade, but the celebrations are getting longer and crazier and this and that and the other thing. It's, and it's just like, there's more cameras around. Yeah, there's That's more it. cameras. And then think about it, too. These guys are basically celebrating two cups at once because they couldn't do anything yeah. last time. I mean, they still did their little boat tour, but it's it's different when you can't really be in there with the fans and I'll be interested just to see what the story is, like what actually happened. Um, so <laughs> we may never know. I thought it was funny. Whoever does the social for 
um, the cup. I know, you know, Phil's probably somewhat involved, but they tweeted at Tom Brady and Gronk and said, you can't like, I'm too heavy to throw or something like that because you saw the clip of the, the uh, Lombardi trophy getting tossed around in the, in the parade for them. So I thought that was pretty clever. The uh, Stanley cup Twitter during the playoffs is usually spot on whoever it has that gig. Uh, they do it. They do a good job. So, yeah. uh, but anyways, we're talking about it. So uh, let's get into it. Um, and I would like to start off by saying that uh, Bryce and Cullen and Connor, when you're listening to this, you better be listening to help the numbers. Uh, please Venmo each hundred dollars. You all owe me money because Tampa Bay won. Uh, amazingly, I completely forgot this, but Cullen did have the Canadians. Don't know how he managed to pick that. Don't think it was any sort of research or anything done on his part. He just <laughs> absolutely, he just ran out of teams to pick. Um, so it was actually nice to have, uh, another year where we both, we had two of us actually make it to the Stanley cup final. So we're, we're two for two in picking, uh, as a, as a foursome, actually picking the winner. Um, and it was Tampa Bay both times. So I'll be waiting for the Venmo for that. But anyways, yeah, the Tampa Bay lightning do it in five games. Uh, it was not the most exciting series, no, no, uh, especially the first three games. The last two games were really good. Game four, when the Canadians won, was awesome. was a great hockey game. Game five was, you know, lacked scoring, but it was a really good competitive game. Um, and, you know, the Canadians kind of put the pressure on in the end as well. Uh, I was kind of, you know, even though I had money on the line, I was like, ah, just push it to a game, like at least a game six and kind of spread it out because it was just, it was a great playoff start to finish. And the Canadians were a great story. And it just kind of took the wind out of my sails to, you know, after watching so much good hockey, so many good matchups to just those first three games, I just lost interest, you know, partway through the game because Tampa Bay was just so much better than, than the Canadians. Um, especially after they put on such a good showing against Vegas. I thought it would be a little more competitive, but yep. it became clear that Tampa Bay, they saw blood in the water right away, and they were not going to let that slip away from them. You know, throughout throughout this whole playoff run, is this is our third podcast now involving the playoffs, and we've, you know, we've always been, you know, the battle, the internal battle, struggle, whatever we call it is, this team that, you know, they look like a team of destiny, but are they good enough to go all the way? And, you know, we had that, we had that discussion with the Islanders and we had that discussion with um, obviously Winnipeg after their first round series and then Montreal and they just kept doing it. They kept, they kept moving on. And then, you know, it came to Vegas, which was my initial pick to win the cup. And again, the second place, oh, best, second best point total in the regular season, just Colorado. Um, and so you thought, okay, well, maybe they can give Tampa a run, but you're right. Tampa was too good, and they kind of put that theory to bed. And I think the story of the series, maybe not the story, but what, what illustrated the series best was game two, where Montreal doubled them up in shots, and they still lost game three to one. They gave up that goal with like less than a second left in the second period to break the 1-1 tie send it into the third 2-1 Toronto or Tampa, sorry. And you could see all the wind come out of the sails of Montreal. And, you know, they gave up kind of a fluky banked in goal in the third, they made it 3-1. And then you knew there was really no coming back after that. Um, you thought maybe Montreal would go home. And uh, even with the 3,500 in the building, which looked like it might have been a little more than that in game four, uh, they had, what, 10,000 people outside at least. Uh, so you thought maybe they'd be able to feed off of that a little bit. Um, like you said, they get the win in game four, but by then it was 3-0 or 3-0 going into that. It was pretty much already over. You knew it wasn't going to come back to Montreal at that point, even though they did grind and it was just a one nothing game five. You never really thought that Tampa was going to lose the series. Um, and I think game one set the tempo and then game two was the, the reality check for Montreal that this is about as good as we could play and we still lost 3-1. So they had a great year. I mean, no one would have expected them to get this far. 
especially after they fired their head coach, what, 10, 15 games in. And um, so they said they have nothing to be ashamed about, but it is a little unfortunate that after such a great playoffs, we had kind of a dud uh, Stanley cup finals. Yeah. And I think it, you know, it, it happens very rarely in the NHL. I think I texted you and I was like, for the first time in a decade, I'm more interested in the matchup in the NBA finals than I am in the NHL. And not, not that I'd rather watch basketball, but in terms of the actual matchup was more intriguing. But then I did follow up by saying that matchup in the NBA finals only happened because literally every good player got hurt or else there was no shot. That would be the matchup. Um, So, you know, I think it's been good most years. um, And I think it will continue to be good. I think clearly the past two years and even really the year before that, up until obviously they got swept by Columbus, which was kind of a miracle in terms of um, them winning that series. But I think that moving forward here, there's going to have to be turnover. They clearly cannot keep everybody on their roster. So something is going to change. They they are going to get worse over the off season. Are they going to get, you know, I, I don't see any way how you cut it, even with the guys that they have leaving and guys, you know, they might need to move in trades because you have Braden points contract coming up next year. And that's a guy you absolutely need to sign. Um, and that's not going to be cheap. So they got to figure out what to do there, but you know, they're going to get worse, but how much worse could they possibly get? Is it enough to have them not be, you know, so contending for a cup? I don't foresee that because they still have the best goalie in the world. I think Andre Veselovsky, I mean, in he put on an absolute clinic, not even this year, but last year. He's just so big, so good, moves so well. Uh, you know, you still have Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Ser- like you're, you know, all of the big players are there. Um, and I'm going to throw this hot take out there. I think if they want to do anything in order to free up cap space to kind of keep the team as close together as they can. And then maybe even free up some space for another little piece. I think you get rid of Stamkos as, cause I, sure. he didn't really jump off the page and I know he's been hurt. So it's not like totally fair to say, but I mean, think about the last couple of years, he hasn't really, you know, he was hurt. He, he didn't do, what did he have? I guess he had 18 points in the playoffs. I guess he just didn't seem to have as much of an impact to me as other guys, like a point, obviously a Kucherov, um, their defenseman, things like that. So, you know, obviously he's a great player. You want to keep him, but that's a salad. That's a, you know, a salary that you could definitely move and free up a lot of space in order to help the collective of the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always look at this from the, I think the broadest standpoint possible and, and, and you know, and, and not in, in pretty simple terms and that you just won back-to-back Stanley cups. So if you're the lightning, if you're the, the front office of the lightning, you're not looking to mortgage your future to try to win another one. I mean, yes, you can go be legends and, and try to three Pete. I mean, obviously everyone would like to do that. Like uh, Pete Alonzo is trying to do in the home run derby, but uh, <laughs> great, great, uh, great showing by him last night, if anyone missed it, but um like you, you've, you've accomplished a lot here. And if you have the opportunity to sell off some, some aging pieces or some uh, you know, some salary in this case, you know um, you do it and try to make sure that you are still very competitive over a longer period of time and maybe have the chance to make a run and not necessarily be a dynasty, but be a, you know, a, a very, very good team that's making the playoffs every year. And that's because as we know, all you got to do is make the playoffs and you never know what can happen. Um, exactly. So I think that's, that's gotta be their philosophy. Like I, 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 I hate, you know, everybody wants to have a dynasty, but I hate the idea of, um, Oh, we won two Stanley cups. That's not enough. We have to do everything we can to keep everyone together. And then, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden one day, everybody's 40 years old and you have to do a complete rebuild. And so I think that's how you got to look at it. If you're Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think, that might be my future of my team in the next couple of years. If they don't start to thinking about things like that. Um, That's true. They, they are in danger. They're in danger of that. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah. You know, you have, yeah. They, I mean, they're probably just going to mostly run it back, fill in the, you know, spots where they must. Um, they will obviously are not going to trade Steven Samkos. They'll probably look to move a guy, Tyler Johnson, Kalorn, that type of player. Um, a guy who's making four or five million that they can kind of, you know, hope to replace with a couple other guys, but they're getting, yeah, they're getting to the point where they, I mean, they were already over way over the cap. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of years, but you really can't do any wrong at this moment because you can't knock this success. John Cooper's had in his last eight seasons, he's made the Stanley cup three times and won two of them. So you can kind of do whatever you want. And I was talking about this today. It's that we always talk about, or I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> we always talk about <laughs> who won the trade, who won the trade, like, you know, that Duncan Keith trade or whatever. And it's crazy that it just doesn't, it, none of it matters. If you win, no matter what they did, no matter how many picks they've traded away in the last few years, like they don't have a first rounder this year. Um, all the assets they moved around and everything like that. Even if you think it was a bad trade at the time and overpay, none of it matters if you win the Stanley cup, especially too. So, you know, different exactly for, for any team really like, you know, if whatever, like, so, so here's a, here's an analogy in another sport. I'm going to go to baseball again, 2016, the Cubs traded Glaber Torres to the Yankees to get a Chapman. And Glaber has turned out to be a superstar and mm-hmm. um, the Cubs won the world series that year. So it was worth it. I mean, yeah, exactly. you, know, you can have a lot of regrets um, if you want, but I will still take that championship every day of the week. Exactly. Because you can't, you, you can't take that back. And, and so what you're going to argue that, Oh, it was a bad trade, but then, okay. But if you don't have, especially Chapman, that's a huge piece. Like if you don't have yep. your clutch closer, you might not win that that World Series. And sure, now you have Glaber Torres, but not like the Cubs are winning any World Series this year. So, um, yeah, I think that's, exactly. a, that's a great example is you you can really you free yourself up some, some space. And I think, like I was just talking about the Capitals, for a couple of years, I kind of was just like, whatever, run it back. You can do whatever you want. But now it's getting to the point where it's like, all right, we've lost in the first round the last few years. Like, what are we doing here? And I think it's going yeah, to start. I mean, the, the, the Penguins are in a similar spot. Yep. I mean, there was talk this year. There was, there was talk midway through the year. Should they trade Crosby? Should they trade Malkin? Mm-hmm. And obviously, they, you know, they go on that run and they win the division. But there's another first-round exit. They're going to have to start answering those questions as well this year. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a lot of te- – I mean, the Bruins, how much longer can the Bruins keep, yep. keep Bruins, doing, yep. you know – keep uh keep the same core and i think we've talked about it before with or i've talked about it before with bryce like do you think about moving a guy like a creature and I, it seems like they're just going to continue to run it back until they physically cannot do it any longer and so you know the leash becomes shorter and shorter um and you know it's obviously tampa bay it'll be interesting to see what they do um on the flip side the Canadians, I think, are in a good spot. They do have some guys that they do need to re-sign. I think Dano is up, and I'm curious to see what he gets because he's a fantastic two-way player but doesn't necessarily put numbers on the board. So what do you do there? Um, I, we had, I want to say you were on one of the podcasts where we had talked about Montreal and how we really didn't think that they had that superstar power, which is what they needed to kind of get over the hump. Um, and I mean, they still don't, uh, you know, I'm looking at Brendan Gallagher is their highest paid player, which is crazy. I did not know that that is, you know, he's a good player, but he was in the AHL for a good portion of the season. Yep. So um, yeah, they have a lot of guys that need to be signed. Um, uh um, you know, do they want to bring back Tatar and Stahl? Dano, Armia didn't have the best season, but he played pretty well. Uh, Corey Perry, what does he do? Does I think if he's going to continue to play, he yeah. should probably just stay there because, um, right? You know, he's found success there. Uh, you know, their their defense is pretty well stocked up. I think you're you're pretty good there. 
Um, goaltending is, you know, solid based on the performance you just saw, but could that become a question mark in the next couple of years? Um, but I think now for them, we just talked about how Tampa Bay shouldn't leverage their future to, uh, you know, uh, try and win a third one. I think now is the time for the Canadians. They do. I'm looking, they have a decent amount of picks. Now is the time for the Canadians to leverage the future. Because like I just said, you got maybe two more years with Carey Price and, you know, at the, if he was playing at the level that he did this playoffs, um, he obviously needs to prove that because he didn't have the best season last year. So, but I think that's now is the time. You, you clearly have a team that was good enough to make it there, was not good enough to win it. So can you make moves to – can you go after Vladimir Tarasenko, who is supposedly on the trade block? Can you find a player like – can you get uh, – I mean, I guess they don't really need like a Seth Jones, but these players that are kind of out there um, that are going to be moved – Jack Eichel, do you try and get Jack Eichel? Um, I think that would be huge because I think they lack, you know, a number one center and star power, like we said. So I think now is the time to put, put your, put your chips on the table and try and capitalize on where your team's at right now. Yeah. I mean, I think they're definitely at the risk of having a disappointing follow-up to this run. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, I mean, one of those things is if, if the divisions revert to normal, they're going to be in the same division <laughs> as Tampa Bay. So good luck with that. Um, but, you know, there it is. You're right. You do look at their roster. You're not blown away. And we have talked about it before. And um, kind of like Carolina, you, you probably should give credit to their coaching um, for, for the year they had. And Price was really good in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, the good thing is they do have a – they do have – there are a city that free agents want to come to, the great history of hockey in Montreal and the fan base and – for a lot of players that grew up in that, in the province of Quebec, you know, they, it's, it's, it would be an honor for them to go play for the Canadians. I know that was something Danny talked about. So he got to play there toward the end of his career. Um, so this, this winning might help them be able to attract some free agents who want to go play there. But uh, I mean, when you talk about a guy like stall, like, you know, he started the season in Buffalo, obviously didn't see him do much in Montreal. Um, Honestly, he was just as invisible when I watched him in the playoffs for Montreal as he was for Buffalo in the regular season. So I think he's done. I think he should sign a one one day contract with Carolina and retire. Um, Corey Perry, you know, might have some something left, but it, like you said, it's not more than a year or two at most. And he yeah, might as well just stay there if they want him back at a you know a cheap price. Um, you know, but they have they have some good players. Caulfield's obviously going to only get better. Um, and, uh, we'll see, but I think there's definitely a, a risk of a letdown year next year after going to the Stanley cup finals. Cause they don't necessarily have a roster that is like a sure thing to do it again. I agree. And how, what a steal getting Josh Anderson was, by the way, I wanted to say that he was yep. fantastic all playoffs long. Um, and even, you know, in the series, that overtime goal he got was crazy. That was just pure hustle. And I think that is the one thing why I'm saying I think they should try and go for it because or capitalize on it, because I think now that you've gone there, you have that experience, you have that will, you have that togetherness to uh, you always talk about the Islanders and how they just like hang around and they just have that resiliency. That's the word I was looking for. And I think this team has a similar thing. And I think you're right. I think that they can definitely attract big name free agents, which is something the Islanders can do. Um, Although they have got some decent guys lately. Um, I just think it's center is the big, big thing they need. They need a number one center, um, a guy that can kind of pull that whole roster together. um, Like we've talked about and, you know, because they have they have great players, um, great young players, Cole Caulfield, Suzuki. Um, but again, those guys are on cheap contracts. So go in now and then, you know, because in a year or two, you're going to have to sign them to massive eight, nine, ten million dollar contracts if they continue to play the way they are. So um, 
it'll be interesting to see, but I think it was definitely an awesome run to watch them. I think yep. they were a very exciting team. They were cool to root for. Reminded me of like St. Louis Blues esque when they, you know, ended up winning. Where there's, I feel like there's just one or two teams every year that's just so fun to watch. They and they seem like a great group group of guys, and everybody's pulling for them. I think definitely the Blues were that team the year they won. Um, I think a lot of people rooted for the Capitals when they were on their run because a lot of people wanted to see OV, you know, win one and things like that. Like a Vegas when they were on their their first run. Yeah. Um, everybody kind of got behind them. So I think they were definitely um, one of those teams that was fun to root for and, you know, had good players and was exciting. And it's just, unfortunately for them, they ran up against possibly one of the, I mean, you have to say probably a top five team ever, I would say. Yeah. Um, I might yeah. even say higher than that. Um, Cause if you're of my opinion, which is that, teams back in the day were not as good as teams now. Um, and I, I don't, I can't really think off the top of my head of a Stanley cup team that was so good up and down the roster and actually performed to those expectations because we've seen great yeah. teams, but for some reason, usually like uh, San Jose, like we've talked about how loaded San Jose was for a couple of years and they just never got it done. So um, one of the rare teams that was so good, like a Chicago back in uh, 13 or 15, yeah. whatever the year was. Yep. But yeah, just an all time team. That's what I was going to say. Chicago is the first one that comes to mind as far as recent history. Um, but and yeah, I think this I team's mean, better than that team. Yeah. I mean, to think that they didn't have that great of a regular season. Remember, they were the road team in their series with Florida in the first round. And then, you know, just adding Kucherov back after missing the whole season. And he's, he, he just acts like he didn't miss any time. Uh, it's pretty amazing um, what, what, they, what, they, what they've done. And it is, a, it is great for their fans after, you know, and for the team even more than the fans to be able to win with the fans in the building uh, this year as opposed to last year. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really good team. And, and they showed that they could win in different ways. Like, they won a one nothing game. Like, that's not – something you would really think was the identity of that team with how good their power play was and how potent their offense was. And I mean, yeah, Vasilevsky had a great year and, you know, he had multiple shutouts throughout the playoffs, but they wouldn't be your pick to win a one nothing game necessarily. And then yet that was the one that clinched in the Stanley cup. So good on them. I think overall a good year, obviously they got every team, every team played the 56 games. It wasn't easy, but every team got 56 games in. We had a really exciting playoffs with a lot of, overtimes, a lot of deep series, a lot of upsets, and then an increasing amount of fans in the building as we went forward to hopefully a normal fall now, 21-22. So uh, kudos to Gary Bettman and everybody and um, for pulling it off, and it was, it was a success, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I, I, you know, I share that sentiment. I think it was awesome. It was great to have hockey back and get fans back and, and have everything come together, and I think the league handled it well. And I'm looking forward to next season just being as normal. <laughs> um, yes. So 82 games, you know, it, playoffs will still be exciting. Divisions, you know, kind of turned back um, and, you know, see how it kind of how I'm sure we'll talk next year about how different it is now that, excuse me, the Canadian teams are um, brought back into the fold and divisions are changed again. And I think it's going to put a, a cool influx into um, kind of what you said, where I think that a lot of the teams that there's going to be teams that made it this year that are not even close next year. And then teams that got kind of, uh, you know, maybe screwed out of a spot that are going to, are going to be able to jump in there. Um, yep. and we'll see how they, if they're going to make any changes to anything playoffs wise, uh, how the seating goes, things like that. I've heard like some things may change that, that they liked from what they've done and, uh, you know, do they do play in games like in the bubble? Uh, so we'll see. I, I'm kind of up for anything at this point. We kind of reset. So whatever you want to do. I mean, even if you want to switch up the divisions a little bit, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, you have a new team coming in. So there does have to be some sort of changes made. Uh, that'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to the uh, the player draft for the Kraken. Uh, it'll be, I think they have to submit uh, rosters by the end of this month, I want to say. 
so it'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about in terms of who got left open to be taken. And that'll probably kind of be the next big topic is, is that draft. And then, um, you know, moving into free agency and, and the actual draft, which hopefully we can get Bryce back on our, our uh, resident yeah. draft expert. Uh, I was going to say, he knows a lot more about the prospects than I do. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but he knows more than me. Yeah, the definitely, definitely more than me. <laughs> Uh, I do want to make one last note. Uh, Nikita Kucherov has been awesome too in his post, uh, you know, cup celebration, just absolutely calling out Mark Andre Fleury, the Canadians, all these type of things, you know, whether you like it or hate it, uh, it's good. It's kind of what we talked about before. It's with Tom Wilson, like it's good for the game to have a, yep. a villain. So for him to play that heel role is good. And I'm looking at, I don't know if you saw the picture Keels, at the boat parade, he wore a shirt that said 18 mil over the cap. And it's just like I him chugging a beer on, on the shirt. Yes, I so did. if you guys haven't seen that, then definitely check that out. Uh, Keels, any final thoughts on the Stanley cup before we wrap up this season? No, I think I, I think I, I think I gave kind of the, the, the final season overview there. Um, it's going to be weird next year, not watching hockey in the summertime. Um, but at the same time, I, I, like you just said, I'm looking forward to a normal year where we have 82 games and uh, fans in the building all over the place. Just the atmosphere is so much better. Even watching a game on TV, they have fans in there. And just to build off what you said, I wouldn't mind if they kept the whole divisional playoff format where you play within your division first and then advance out of there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how the minor leagues do it and have done it for a while. And I wouldn't mind if that stuck around. Um, certainly though, I, it'll be good to get back to playing more teams and not just playing your division the whole year. Um, but I do like it for a playoff format. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, it builds up those rivalries and all that, but as far as, um, everything else going back, it will be good to, to, it'll, it'll, it'll give us a better chance to see a, a fair chance to see how good teams really are and, um, a full body of work and it'll just be better on everybody. But um it's been fun coming on here hopefully you continue to come on and um bryce i hope i've made you proud and and filled your (laughs) shoes admirably (laughs) i think you've done a great job keels and it's been a pleasure to have you on and we'll definitely keep having you on um one last thing from you uh way too early stanley cup prediction who you got next year Oh, wow. Before anybody signs, before we even <laughs> yep. have an expansion draft. Yep. I have no draft. idea what's going to happen. Just, this is going to be funny to listen. It's going to yep. be funny to listen back to in 10 months or whenever. The team we pick are going to come in decided. dead last in their division. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who's the team that's going to be good next year? Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not going out on a limb. I'll say Colorado. Yeah, I figured you were going to say that. Yeah. I think it's the safest I, pick. I think, oh, Islanders. Islanders are going to win the Stanley Cup next year. That's Heels. a good pick. That's a good pick. <laughs> you know, maybe they finally push through. They do the, they do the uh, Tampa Bay thing where they kept making it to the conference finals and losing and, and they push through. Let me, <laughs> let me throw one at you, not, uh, not hockey related. All star game tonight. Who you got, AL or NL? Oh, I mean, I don't even going to watch <laughs> probably not. I I think that I might watch just Shohei pitch. I think he's awesome. Oh, yeah. Shout out real quick yes. to Stephen A. You're the biggest. Oh, man. I love Stephen A. Smith. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard him say to yeah, just go was, off on Shohei Otani. And, that. and also just like yeah. how and for him to just skate, too, because he's I'm sure he did some lame apology that he obviously doesn't mean but for him to just be able to skate on that if 90 percent of other employees went on espn and to me this is what he did he got on there and said that this player is not allowed to be the the face of baseball because of where he is from which is absolutely ridiculous and i think if you you know pick and choose any other employee there they're that's at least a suspension. Probably if there's enough backlash on Twitter, a firing, but you know, he skates on it because he's Stephen a, and you know, I normally do like their whole thing. Obviously I know they play it up and everything, but that was just too much, man. That was, 
too much. And then he he doubles down on the, on the soccer thing, like the next day or the day before or something. And it was just like, I don't know. It was, it was crazy to me yeah, or not I soccer, sorry, I mean, basketball, I, but anyways, I, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. off on a tangent. I mean, I don't think anybody, anybody, dis- I don't think anyone would disagree with the fact that Shohei has been great for the game this yeah. year. I mean, you have this amazing two-way player that I, I, I would bet, I mean, in the, in the history of baseball from now until whenever baseball stops being a thing. So, and that'll probably never happen. There will never be another player that participates in the home run derby and then starts the all-star game on the mound the next yeah. day. That is amazing. That like, you, it, it's, it's amazing. That he's doing it. Um, we'll see if the derby has any impact on his pitching. I mean, the guy, he was forced into a two tiebreakers against uh, Juan Soto in mm. the first round of the derby last night. So he, <laughs> he's got to be exhausted. Um, so, but what I'm interested to see is you have the Coors field effect, you know, everybody knows it is the most offensive ballpark in baseball as far as balls flying out of there. Yeah. And you have the way the game is going where it's all pitching and strikeouts and not a lot of run scoring. Um, so will we see those two, those two worlds are going to collide. So I'm interested to see what's, what's, how it's going to play out tonight. So, yeah, I think it'll be good. But Ryer, I just heard my door. I just heard my DoorDash arrive. So I'm going to have to get off. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks to Keels for coming on. I'm just going to do a couple quick notes here. Um, he can take off if he wants to and go have his DoorDash. Enjoy your DoorDash, Keels. Um, but I just want to say thank, thank you. you to everyone that listened to the podcast. Another great season in the books. Looking forward to next season. Um, you know, in the off season here, it'll be a little bit different we're gonna try and get some guests um you know kind of working towards getting bryce back in the fold if he can uh things like that so probably gonna take a little bit of time to just let things settle in like i said the next thing will probably be that seattle draft um so that'll probably be the next topic of conversation but until then uh we'll just take a little break because there's not a ton to talk about unless some crazy stuff happens and that you know we'll obviously hop on But again, just want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. I appreciate you guys. Um, This is, you know, something I kind of just do on the side. And it means a lot that people actually, you know, whether it be five people or 100 people actually care enough to listen to what I have to say on occasion. Um, So as always, follow at the recap pod underscore on Twitter, Um, you know, tweet at me your thoughts for next season, different things like that. But again, uh, appreciate you guys and looking forward to next season.